I want you to imagine that you are hiring a handyman or a carpenter of some sort to do some work around your house, uh, and you have something in mind that you really want him to do in a particular way, and, and so you might say, whatever you do, be sure that you do this this way, right? I wonder how, ta- how many times Monty and Tina spoke to their carpenters when they were building their house recently. Whatever you do, be sure and do this. Make sure this is that way. Well, that would be very common to, to do that if you were talking to someone who was maybe doing some carpenter work around the house. Whatsoever you do, whatever you do, be sure to do it this way. We would use that same kind of terminology in other fields, too. It wouldn't necessarily be just talking to a carpenter or a worker of that kind. Uh, it might be a mechanic who's working on your car, or it might even be just someone that you assign to run an errand for you. If you have somebody and you have a, a little task that you want to have completed, whatever you do, do it this way. We might talk about, use that kind of terminology at work or at school, just in lots of realm. When you think about it, that expression denotes the idea of important priorities. Would you agree with me? Whatever you do, whatsoever you do, that speaks to priorities. This is really important. Be sure to do this, okay? Well, as you well know, the Bible uses that very same expression, and we want to build our lesson on that expression this morning, whatsoever ye do. In fact, Jason just led us a song that is going to be one of the verses, that's based upon one of the verses that we want to look at in just a moment. But we know that that terminology is found in the Scriptures, and we want to talk about it in our lesson this morning. Before we do, we stop to express a word of thanks to everyone for being here today. We're glad that you've come. We are encouraged by your presence. We have a beautiful Lord's Day in Middle Tennessee, and it's a wonderful blessing to be able to be together to worship God. And we're glad that that's important to you and that it's brought you here this morning. Thanks for coming. We pray that God will be glorified and all will be edified by the time we spend together. Thanks to our visitors, especially, for coming to be with us today. So whatsoever ye do, I want to just look at a few places where we find that expression in the New Testament. And we'll start out with that one that we just sang about. We need to do everything by the authority of Jesus Christ. The verse, of course, is the one that Roger read for us earlier, very familiar to us, Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatsoever ye do, there's the phrase, whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now think about that for a minute, because if we were sort of going to put that in our own terminology, we would say, be sure, whatever you do, be sure that you do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. We understand that that expression in the name of is an expression that denotes the idea of authority, that we need to have authority for all that we do. Whatever you do, be sure that you have the authority of Jesus Christ for what you're doing. That's what that passage is saying, isn't it? Now, we think that there would be plenty of applications of the principle. Obviously, we think that it applies to our religious service to God. For instance, our coming together in worship services and so forth. But all of our religious service to God, whatsoever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's a very common idea in the religious world that what you actually do doesn't matter so much as what your heart is in the matter. That if you have a deep sincerity of heart, if you really have zeal for God, 
that if you have these emotions of heart, that's really all that matters. Well, certainly, zeal and enthusiasm, sincerity and genuineness of heart are very important. But notice the word do. It's about doing also. It's not just about how you feel about it, although how you feel about it is really important. It's also about what you do. And whatever you do, be sure that you have the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need that lesson. The religious world in general needs that lesson. Some of our very own brethren need that lesson. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 15 at verse 9, that it's possible for us to worship and our worship be in vain. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 9, In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You, you, could, you could render your worship vain or no good by following the commandments of men rather than the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's just how important this is. In fact, Jesus even said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? You, you can call me Lord, but if you're not doing what I say, then I'm not really your Lord. You see how that is? And so when it comes to our religious service, there's certainly applications of this notion, be sure, whatever you do, be sure that you have the authority of Jesus Christ. This whatsoever you do, though, is an all-inclusive term. This includes everything. It's not just talking about what we do when we come together for worship on Sunday, right? It includes that, but it is not only that, right? Whatsoever you do is an all-inclusive concept. And so it's not just about what we do on Sunday when we come together for worship. It it involves all of our life. Let our whole life be directed by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ in word and deed. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. There are plenty of personal life applications here as well. When it comes to my family, I need to act according to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes to how I conduct myself as a neighbor in the community, let me do it by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I'm at work, on the job, when I'm at school as a student, wherever I find myself, let me be carefully acting as a Christian should act, basing my conduct on the things that the Lord teaches me to do. In Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And so we see then that It's very important for us. It it needs to be a top priority in our lives. Whatsoever you do, have the authority of Jesus Christ for doing it. Do you see how important that is? Again, I think this expression is really something we can relate to because we, we use that kind of terminology frequently. Let's understand how it's used in the Word of God and what it teaches us as our priorities. Let me suggest to you that whatever you do, be sure you do what you would want others to do to you. Again, a real familiar verse to us from the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Well, here the phrase is a little bit broken up, but there it is. Whatsoever ye do. Whatsoever ye do. Do ye 
to others as you would have them do unto you. This is, what do we call that? We call that the golden rule, right? That's the golden rule, Matthew 7, verse 12. What, a, what an amazingly powerful statement of conduct this is. And, and how, what a wonderful goal it sets for us in our relationships uh, with one another. I remember when we were teaching in Moscow, Russia, to some college students who really had absolutely zero exposure to the Word of God. They'd been brought up all their life to be atheists, uh, and, and they had never been exposed to any of the truths that are found in the Word of God. And, and one of the brothers was teaching the principles found in the Sermon on the Mount. When he came to this verse, I think I've told you this story before, but when he came to this verse, he asked these students, now get this, these were college students. They had all been brought up their whole lives being atheists. But the question was asked to these kids, what if everybody lived by that rule? And they quickly acknowledged it would be a wonderful world. It would be a wonderful world if everyone lived by that standard. And surely that is the case. As we frequently paraphrase this verse, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. It's not do unto others the same way they've been treating you in the past. So I'm going, to, I'm going to treat you in a certain way, but in my mind, the way I'm calculating how I'm going to treat you is by trying to remember all the bad things or maybe the unpleasant things about how you have acted in the past. And so I'm going to treat you like you've treated me in the past. Or on the other hand, I'm, going to, I'm trying to figure out how you will treat me in the future. In the future, I think you will probably do this and this and this. So I'm going to calculate my conduct toward you based upon what I anticipate will be your future conduct toward me. And none of that is right, of course. It, it is all to be as I would want to be treated. How do I want to be treated? And when I know that, that's pretty easy, isn't it? I know how I want to be treated. And Jesus says, then you act in that fashion. You do that. Jesus said that this is the law and the prophets. Basically, you, if you want to summarize it all relative to interpersonal relationships, this is the rule. This is how it is summed up. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I think this is especially true in our relationships in the body of Christ. Uh, and in the Scriptures, there's some emphasis on us working hard to maintain right relationships with one another in the body of Christ. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, 1 John 4, 20, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? So, in the, in the church, how should I treat you? I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about how I should treat you. Actually, I don't really need to think about that too hard, do I? Because the standard is, I want to treat you like I want you to treat me. doesn't matter if you've been doing that very well in the past. It doesn't matter if I think you will in the future. My determination is, whatever I do, be sure to treat you like I want to be treated. And I tell you, if we live by that standard, it's going to be a wonderful situation. Everything's going to be good. Jesus said in John 13, verse 35, Hereby shall men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love 
one toward another. So, do I, do I want to be gossiped about? Do I want people to, to harshly and hypocritically judge me? Well, no. I don't want that. I don't want people to gossip about me and treat me harshly. Okay, then don't do that to anybody else. Do I want people to pray for me and encourage me as I try to live the Christian life? Well, yes. That's what I want. I want people to pray for me and encourage me. Well, then that's what I need to be doing for them, right? It's, it's, a, it's an easy principle to understand. Maybe more difficult to apply, but when applied, it's a wonderful thing. We, whatever you do, whatsoever you do, be sure to do this. Treat others like you'd like to be treated. Isn't that powerful? We can live by that rule, and it will help us if we live by that rule. Whatsoever you do, do it enthusiastically. In Colossians 3, verse 23, whatsoever ye do, there's our phrase again, whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. I remember back when I was a kid, my dad would be taken off for work in the morning and he'd say, oh, I want the yard to be mowed when I get home from work today. <laughs> Man, I hated it when he told me that. And, and I just... I groused and complained about it all day long. Uh, every step, we, we, we mowed with push mowers, uh, my brother and I, and we had a pretty big lot. And so we'd be out there, and I'm telling you, I'd be stomping my foot every step, griping and complaining uh, as, as I mowed the yard. And uh, I did it simply because I had to. Not, there wasn't any want to in it. I did it because I had to, and I wasn't pleased about it at all. I wonder if there's not a lot of folks who serve God that same way. They serve God with that, so I'm going to stomp my foot every step of the way. I am not happy about doing this. I'm only doing this because I absolutely have to. That's a, sadly, I think, the way too many people approach their service to God. These would be the kind of people who are trying to seek out the very minimum that has to be done. I, I don't want to do anything extra. I don't, I don't want to go overboard. You, you draw the minimum line for me, and I'm going to strive for that minimum line. That's all I'm going to do. I'm, I don't want to do any more than that. Just what I have to do. And so those would be the Christians who sadly would ask questions like, where does the Bible say I have to be there on Sunday night? Where does the Bible say I have to be there on Wednesday night? Those would be the people who say, if you can't give me a verse, thou shalt be at Bible study on Wednesday night. If you can't give me the verse, I'm not coming. If I don't have to, I'm not going to do it. That doesn't speak about whatsoever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord. That doesn't sound like an enthusiastic approach, does it? Or it might be about giving. Uh, in just a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity to contribute. We don't talk a lot about our contribution. We've got a lot of good givers at College U. I think we also all can do better about that. Uh, uh, I think definitely when it comes to giving, there's an, there's an effort to try and say, what's the least I have to give? What's the minimum? I don't want to give any more than I have to give. Our giving could be far more generous if we had an attitude of enthusiasm about giving and the good that can be accomplished with the money that we give. Uh, or, or maybe 
when it comes to my personal life in regards to matters of morality and moral purity, uh, you know, the person who is not too enthusiastic about serving the Lord is going to try to push the limits maybe about modest dress. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll dress modestly if you can draw me a line. Draw me the line how short a skirt can be, how low a neckline can plunge, how tight my clothes can fit. You, if you can define the line, I'll go to that line. I'm not going to do any more than that. There's no enthusiasm for modesty of dress, for purity of life. If, if, but here in Colossians 3.23, the message is, whatever you do, be sure to do it with enthusiasm. Right? We need to be enthusiastic about our service to God. Colossians 15, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be abounding in the work of the Lord. We're not trying to figure out here what's just the very least we can do. We want to enthusiastically do all that we can. We want to be abounding in the work of the Lord. Does that, does that describe your situation? Would any of us be willing to say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm there, I'm abounding? We can always do better, can't we? But this idea of enthusiasm in the service of God is so important. Serve Him enthusiastically. Finally, let me suggest whatsoever you do, do it to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. What's your job? What's the purpose of your life and your existence? That's a really, that's an important question, right? And I think men seek for that answer, whether they know they're seeking for it or not. Of course, what you have, you have the old mental image of a guy who's climbing a mountain. I mean, it's really rugged. The terrain is incredibly tough and dangerous to get to the top of the mountain because at the top of the mountain, there's a, a, a guru, some kind of hermit guru who knows the meaning of life. And so I'm going to scale the heights of this mountain so I can get to the guru and ask him, what's it all about? What's the purpose of my life? Why am I here? Well, I'll tell you something. You don't have to climb a mountain to get there. You just have to open the Scripture because the Scripture will tell you plainly what your purpose for living is. Your purpose for living is to bring glory to God. Whatsoever you do, be sure that whatever you do, do it in such a way that God will be glorified because boil it all down and that's what your life is about. That's what you're here for. You're not here to serve yourself. You're not even here to make yourself happy. It's not about you. It's about God, the Creator. What is your purpose? Your purpose is to bring glory to God. Now, what's kind of interesting about that is that when I live that way, then I get the benefits too, right? When I live to glorify God, my life is enriched. I am blessed. Things work out great for me. But that's a, that's a byproduct. My main goal is to bring glory to God. Again, simply, if someone were to ask you, what is your main goal in life? The right answer would be to bring glory to God because that's why we're here. And I really think it's a good test of everything that we do. 
Are we glorifying God in all that we do? So, as a husband and father, or as a wife and mother, am I conducting myself in such a way in my, in my conduct toward my wife, in my conduct toward my children? Am I conducting myself in such a way that God is glorified by what I do? I'll tell you, God is not glorified if as a husband I'm mean and hateful and short-tempered, if I, if I, I lose control and scream and yell and act ugly. I'll tell you, God's not glorified by that. He's not glorified by that at all. Is God glorified by how I act toward my wife? Is God glorified how I act toward my children? Is God glorified by how I work at my job? Is God glorified by how I conduct myself in the community? Does it bring glory to God when others know that I call myself a Christian and I serve God? Or do they say, man, that guy's life is completely different from what he claimed. We don't want that, do we? We want our lives to be in harmony with what we claim. We want to do all for the glory of God. This bleeds over, of course. It, it, I think it, it's an all-encompassing concept. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So every moment of every day of my life needs to be lived so that God is glorified by what I do. It bleeds over, especially when we come together and worship God. Modern-day religious practice is geared to the worshiper. And we see that so much in what especially is taking place in the denominational world. They, they, some big religious organizations and these mega churches that we read about all over the country, it's like an entertainment venue. Uh, and, and so they get really good music groups up on stage. I mean, and the music that they perform is toe-stomping. I mean, it's, it's, it's good stuff, right? It's fun to listen to. And they, and they got lights flashing and they got smoke machines producing fog. And it's all to benefit me. It's for me. And if I don't get that, by the way, I'm, I'm going to go someplace else because I want to be stimulated by all of this. You see the mistake there? Who's the emphasis here? Is it God or me? If it's me, it's wrong. Because whatever I do is to be done for the glory of God. And if we'll live by that principle, everything else will fall perfectly into place. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So here's an interesting expression. It's not a foreign expression to us. We use that kind of terminology pretty regularly on a day-to-day basis. We would say, I don't think we'd say whatsoever ye do. <laughs> that, that sounds like someone from old England, right? We would say, whatever you do, be sure to do this. That's what we would say. And that's exactly what this expression means. It speaks of what's important and what should be our top priorities. Do you have your priorities in order this morning? Are you living for God? We want you to think about that as we about to sing this song of invitation. Is your life right with God? If it's not, if it means that you need to obey the gospel and become a Christian, then do that. Nothing else compares in importance to that.
If you're not a Christian, we hope you'll become one. Hear the truth. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. If you're a Christian already, but you've fallen away or not faithful to the Lord, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Who will call Jesus any more